0: We are back in First John. After multiple weeks away from our series in First John, I'm excited to bring the last few chapters in this book to you over the next few weeks of this new year. Before we do, let's pray together. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. Lord, we thank you that we get to dive into the message this morning. We get to dive into the words of, uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we get to dive into the words of John, the Apostle. Lord, we pray that we would have ears to hear and eyes to see this morning. Lord, I pray that in everything we do, it would be to your excellence and to your glory. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. We are going to, for those who uh, might not be aware, we have, uh, of course, our podcast is available online. We, uh, it's linked up to, what is it called, Podbean. Um, we have the address in our bulletin. You can check that out. Please do. Uh, we've got nearly every message, not every message, but we're going to have this one for sure. Um, we pick back up in the fourth chapter of First John. We're not going to go to the slide yet, Mike. Uh, Mike is up. Give our media team a, a round of applause. They're doing a good job. <laughs> it's like it's okay. No, uh, here's the thing. We're before we get into First John the. First, I'm going to share with you, I'm going to give you a spoiler, okay? I'm going to give you just a little teaser trailer for it. How many like teaser trailers? I can't stand them, honestly. I like trailers, but I don't like teaser trailers because that's only like 10 seconds of something. Uh, I like this. I'm going to give away the first word of the first verse in chapter 4 is beloved. The first word of the first verse in chapter 4 is beloved. Here's the thing. Before we get into anything else, I want to remind you that John loves the church, right? John loves the church, and he loves those in it. There's some people that like the building. They like the church. They like the building. There's some people that love the people in the building, right? Because we are the church, amen? The church is not made up of bricks and stone. It's made up of people. So John loves the church. He loves those in it. He wants to guide the church away from that which tries to destroy it. There are things that try to destroy the church. There's things that try to destroy people, right? If we were to consider the initial beginnings of the church, following the resurrection, following the ascension of Christ, we would see that there were many enemies trying to destroy the church from the outside in. Uh, we could look at those who were confused by the gospel, those who hated what Christianity stood for, those in power who wanted to persecute and kill Christians, right? Who, Christians who refused to bow down toward other men, refused to bow down towards these leaders, refused to, refused to take a knee to certain leaders. And so you go, early Christians were considered enemies of the state. Early Christians were considered enemies of the power that was in control. It should be noted that this isn't just true of early Christians, it's true today. The threat to true Christianity was not just back then. The threat to early Christianity was not just, oh, the early Christian leaders and the Romans and they wanted to kill Christians and lions and tigers and bears, right? The threat to Christians is still today. Dave Ogren shared with us last week. uh, Every year, over 4,000 people are murdered or martyred for Christ. And so it's not just a problem that happened 2,000 years ago, it's still a problem today. But the threat of true Christianity was not just enemies from the outside, it also came from enemies within Christian circles. It came through false doctrine. It came through false teaching. When John addresses the early church, he reminds them first that he loves them. I like that. He first says, hey, listen, I love you. And then he charges them, hold fast to the word of God. Hold fast to God's word. For the first message of this new year, let me start off by saying this. I love you guys. Amen? I love you. I don't always like you. Right? Come on. How many, how many are married? You know what? I love you, but I don't I don't have to like you right now. No, I, I love you guys. You're you're my church family. You're my you're my family. And and the thing is this I don't love the church because of the blessings that it gives me. I don't love the church because listen, I am in awe and thanks of the blessings that you give me and my family. I'm not in this. I don't love it just because this is where I draw a paycheck from, right? I don't love it because, I don't know, we get to set up tables every once in a while. And we get to have brunch and we get to have Christmas and we, get, we, we do all the things we do together. That's not the reason I love it, right? I love the church because God has entrusted me an imperfect man to help lead and guide us through this walk called faith. I love that God has given me a gift, and that gift is you guys. That gift is the people in this church. The Apostle John, in writing this letter to the church, is showing how he loves them. And he loves them enough to guide them and correct them when necessary. I want you to say those words. Say guide and correct. How many are ready for some guidance and correction this morning? Oh, are you ready? (laughs) Some people are like, this may have been the service I should have stayed home for. How many are ready for some guidance and correction? Part of my responsibility and mandate from God as a shepherd is to guide and correct. Now, if I had a shepherd's crook or a staff with me, sometimes if if you have sheep or if you know about people that have sheep, I I don't have sheep. Uh, other than the people of this church. Uh, but sometimes with the crook, you, you guide them, right? You take the shepherd staff and you guide them. And then other way, other times you have to correct them. That's what they call beating the sheep, right, Gary? Sometimes you go, which? How many, how many have kids? How many ever? I have a I, Jocelyn. I got her a bow and arrow set for Christmas. I know. Uh, and I, was, I said, hey, give me one of those arrows. And Eli came over, and I was kind of poking him with it, you know. And uh, then he moved, and I was like, Whoosh. He was like, oh, Dad. Sometimes, hey, listen, how many, how many parents ever spank your kids with their own toys? No? Yes? Okay. How many remember, uh, <laughs> I was listening to a comedian one time, and he goes, my mother used to spank me with Hot Wheels tracks. And I went, man, I remember that. Hot Wheels tracks. listen here's the thing. We don't like to hear this in the modern church. We don't like to hear about correction in the modern church, but it's necessary in the modern church. We don't like to hear about guidance and correction. There are times that I have to guide, and there are times that I have to correct, and I bring correction when I see error. So again, uh, most of it, let's let's talk first in practical matters. So uh, last, uh, (laughs) this I think last week my son he's with the kids right now. He was running over, around the church. I mean just booking it with another boy and I said, "Stop it." And he looked at me and said, like, "What?" I said, "Stop running in the church." No, oh, I mean it was just because he was going to run into somebody and so somebody could have gotten hurt. I said, "Stop it. You run outside. Don't run in the church, run outside." That's practical correction, right? How many know what I'm talking about? How many have to practically correct your kids sometimes? How many have to practically correct your spouse sometimes? (laughs) All the wives looked at the husbands, and all the husbands went, are you kidding me? Right, Bryce? (laughs) He thumbs up. (laughs) So sometimes it's practical correction. Listen, when it's practical correction, it should always be done with love and grace. Amen? Amen. Amen. How many know that's not always true? It should be done with love and grace. That's true. It's not always done with love and grace. I want to. I remember. Uh, I was here for just a short time. I shared this with somebody. I told. I told this person I was going to share it, and got permission to share it, so it's okay. Uh, when I was here, I think it was in my first year, and I think it was within my first six months. And there are certain people that are going to remember this. I saw an issue in the church that I thought needed practical correction I thought man there's there's a situation and uh, they the, this the, this situation needed correction and thankfully it's by people who still call this church their home because I came to church on a Sunday morning and I was sick I came to church on a Sunday morning and I was sick and I was like okay I'm going to preach and I'm going to be done I'm going to go home I'm going to go to bed and that is what I should have done except I didn't I should have just gone home and gone to bed, but instead I decided to address the issue right after I got done preaching. And I thought, oh, okay. I don't feel good, but... So I I got one of the elders, and I went to the person, and I addressed the issue. The problem was this. I had no business at that point addressing that issue with those people because first, I was sick. I wasn't in the right headspace, right? I was grouchy. I was upset. I was sick. I was unloving. I was ungraceful. And afterwards, I felt horrible about it. I really did. I felt horrible about it. Thankfully, you know, that that person cooled off, and, and I cooled off, and we were able to talk about it in the right way. But how many know that despite our good intentions, we don't always respond with grace and love? When we bring correction to our children, our our spouses, whoever it may be, we don't always respond. We don't always do it with grace and love and the kind of love that God wants us to, right? It's just one reason, again, that I'm so grateful to be in a church that shows me grace when I mess up, right? Don't say amen too loud, too, right? There's, it's so good to know that even when I mess up, there's grace there. So that's practical correction, there's practical correction. We think about kids, spouses, things like that. There's practical correction. So I say to my uh, son this morning, "Hey, uh, don't wear that. You wear that every Sunday. Wear a different shirt." He goes, "Oh, okay." That's practical correction, right? You tell your son, "Put deodorant on. You're starting to stink." That's practical correction, right, or Elijah? You know what I'm saying? Not point out. Just it's practical correction because there's things that need to be corrected. There's practical correction, and then there's spiritual correction. How many are ready for spiritual correction? Many times, practical correction is based off personal bias. Uh, it just is. It's just, uh, I, there's, uh, it's a funny thing. I grew up every, I think we used to go to men's breakfast when I was a kid. Uh, my dad was in charge of it, and we would go to men's breakfast, and uh, our pastor's son, our pastors, yeah, pastors' kids, uh, they would walk into men's breakfast at the church all wearing hats. And that was a big no-no. To every, to, to other people in the church, they were like, no, oh, you're wearing a hat. You better take that off right now. So my dad went to the pastor's son and said, son, you need to take that hat off. And the, he looked at my dad and he said, "Well, uh, my dad said it was okay. And he said, well, in the house of the Lord, we don't wear hats. And the pastor's son, I don't don't think he started crying or anything like that, but it was like one of those things where he went, how many ever tried to correct somebody else's kid? It doesn't always go well, right? It doesn't always go well. Well, the thing is this, it was based off of my dad's personal bias. It was based off of tradition. It was based off of old school thinking. It it was based off of, uh, it, it wasn't based in scripture, it was based off personal bias. And so what he saw as disrespectful, another, another minister saw as not disrespectful. And so there was a collision there. So personal correction is a lot of times based on bias. Spiritual correction, on the other hand, should never be based on bias. Spiritual correction should never be based on personal experience or bias. It should be based solely and entirely on the Word of God. Spiritual correction should come only by the Word of God. There's something that we are missing in Christian principles today. One of the major Christian principles that's being challenged today from what I have seen is what's called the authority of Scripture. The authority of the Word of God. We are missing out on that. The authority of the Word of God. You say, Pastor David, what do you mean? As a pastor and a shepherd... One of my clearest or most uh, greatest responsibilities is to give you a clear understanding of the Word of God. Amen? How many are thankful for that? I do the very best I can every week to try to give you a clear understanding of the Word of God. There are people who call themselves Christians and claim to love God, but they have very little understanding of the Word of God. And that's where it becomes a problem. He says, listen, my beloved, have have we established that I love you guys? Right, John? I love you. Steve, sometimes, right? No, listen, I think we've established I love you guys, right? I do. Because I tell you this in love. If the Bible is not the central authority in what you believe, follow and have faith in, then you are lost in in following something other than Christ. If the Bible is not the central authority in your life, if we don't have the authority of the Bible in our life, we are lost. We have practical correction. We have spiritual correction. And in in personal correction, usually it's minor things at stake. Right? Once in a while, it's major things, but for the most part, it's minor things. In spiritual correction, major things are at stake. We're not talking about Christian, you know, debates or gray areas. We're talking about black and white areas where spiritual correction is needed. John starts out in chapter 4 with beloved. He says, I love you guys. You're my beloved. Beloved. And then he continues with these words. Go to the next slide. It says this. In verse 1 through 3, Beloved, do not believe every spirit. Say, every spirit. But test the spirits. Say, test the spirits. To see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of Antichrist. Say Antichrist. This is the spirit of Antichrist which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. It is in the world already. It says, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether or not they are from God. For many prophets, many false prophets have gone out into the world. Not every person who claims to be of Christ is actually of Christ. Not every person who claims to be of the Spirit is actually of the Spirit. Not every person who claims to have a word from God is actually giving you a word from God. John tells us, test the spirits. It's what we're called to do as Christians. Now, listen, I want to say, in those days, in that culture, there were many false teachers who were trying to sow seeds of deception and saying one of two things. The first thing they would say is this. Jesus wasn't God. He was just a man. He lived. He died as a criminal. He was just a man. Then there was a second thing that was trying to be pushed into the church, and that was this. Jesus wasn't a man. He was only God. And you say, well, wait a minute. What's wrong with that? That takes away from the humanity of Christ. From Christ stepping down into our humanity and taking on this skin coat we call a body, right? So Christ, John, refers to these false teachers as spirits. And there's a reason why. Because they are being used by demonic spirits and specifically being used by the spirit called antichrist. Say antichrist. Some of you have heard of antichrist. How many have ever heard of the term antichrist before? You've heard of the term antichrist. Uh, sometimes we see it in the book of Revelation. Sometimes uh, when people talk about the end times, uh, How many? there's movies. Uh, I think there's some really not good, you should never see them type movies uh, that go into antichrist. And What are some famous ones? Uh, There are certain ones I I don't know because I haven't seen. But is the Antichrist talked about in in The Exorcist? Yeah, Rosemary's Baby, stuff like that, right? Those horror movies. All you people that've seen these movies, I don't know. (laughs) There's people shaking their head. (laughs) No, listen. There's I know it's talked about in movies and, and, and in popular culture, and you talk about Antichrist and end times. Listen. The spirit of Antichrist, this is a real thing. It's not something that's just going to happen later, it's happening now. In fact, it's been in operation since the beginning of the rebellion of the enemy and his demons. It's been in operation not just in the New Testament, it's also been in operation in the Old Testament. He's spoken of in Daniel, he's spoken of in Micah. He's spoken of throughout the Old Testament. He didn't always go by the name Antichrist. He didn't go by that name until Christ was physically born into this world. But he was known and active even then. It seems his main purpose, and listen carefully, his main purpose has and always will be to get people to disregard the authority of God's Word. It's always been to get people to disregard the authority of God's Word Well, I know, I understand that's what the Bible says, but I can do it my own way. I understand that's what the Bible says, but I have my own plan. The spirit of Antichrist has always been to try to get people to worship someone other than the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. To bow down. I like what one minister says. He says this. The Bible teaches there are many antichrists, and we can find types that exhibit his nature in different men in history. Listen to this carefully Nebuchadnezzar was a type of antichrist, having an image made of gold and people were to bow down to it. Haman in the book of Esther was a type of antichrist, making a law for the Jews to bow down to the king. Nero was a type of antichrist, asking people to bow down to him adding himself to their worship and killing Christians who refused. Many powerful rulers have acted this way. Genghis Khan, Stalin, Hitler, these are examples of Antichrist. John has said, you heard it was coming and now it is here already. When we think about Antichrist in today's culture, in modern culture, let's talk about some examples The spirit of Antichrist today, first example I would have for you is uh, they're pretty easy to recognize. If you've heard of the cults of uh, Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormonism, those are two examples that are probably uh, the most accepted and uh, uh, the big growing form, and this has been around for centuries and centuries, the big growing form of Antichrist is found in Islam. Is found in Islam. You say, oh, "No, no, they're, they're such good people. There's so many good people that are that are Muslim or they're Mormon or the Jehovah's Witnesses." Listen, Muslim belief says that Jesus was a great prophet, but he's nothing more. Mormon belief says that Jesus and Satan were spirit brothers. That Jesus uh, that he went down to the Aztecs and. He did all all sorts of things down there after his time in Jerusalem. Jehovah's Witnesses go into a whole different set of things. Listen, these belief systems were founded based on doctrines of demons. Are you hearing me this morning? They were found on doctrines of demons, and those who follow them are being led to hell. Now, we don't like to talk about that in the modern church. We like to just sunshine and rainbows and and God loves you, right? God loves you. God loves your neighbor. Everything you do is great. Please come here and give an offering. That's the modern church. In this church, we believe in the authority of God's word. Amen? We are going to share it with you, and we're going to say beloved because we love you. But here is the word of God. Here is the message that God is giving us. There is a spirit of Antichrist, and those who follow them are being led towards hell. Some, those, are, those are easy examples, by the way. Some examples are harder to see, they're harder to recognize. Some examples of, of, of Antichrist are harder to recognize. Does anybody, uh, just out of curiosity, anybody have an example, you think, of what would be Antichrist? There are examples of Antichrist that are harder to recognize. Love wins. Who said that? Love wins. Ooh, you're taking my sermon now. I have it in there. Anybody else? Examples of Antichrist. Antichrist. They wrap themselves up in the worship of heavenly beings like angels. If you're worshiping angels, that's antichrist. That's antichrist. The Bible doesn't call us to worship angels. Listen, the Bible doesn't call us to worship saints or Mary. That is antichrist. Do You understand what I'm saying? It looks good, sounds good. Well, I prayed to my angel today and they watched over me. No, it didn't. That was a demon. You weren't praying to an angel, you were praying to a demon. That's hey, listen, that's the authority of the word of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? When you pray to an idol, the Bible says that behind every idol is a demon. When we make angels our demon, when we make angels our idols, that's your that's that's the demon. So we pray to these heavenly beings that aren't God, that aren't Jesus. It's, it's Listen, it's, it's funny. It looks like biblical teaching, but all it is is New Age and mysticism wrapped up in what looks like biblical teaching. It's the spirit of Antichrist. They call themselves loving and inclusive, but what they are is spewing demonic doctrines of perverted sexuality. Demonic doctrines of perverted sexuality say love wins. they got a bumper sticker on it. It's demonic doctrine. Listen, here's the the hard thing. Because sometimes they present themselves as Christian. Sometimes they present themselves as Jesus. But in reality, they are leading people away from the Bible and away from Christ. I know people who are involved in these cults and false religions. I know people, listen, it gives me no satisfaction that they are deceived. Rather, it breaks my heart, and it should break yours, that so many are led away by something that looks good, but in reality is a poison for their soul. And there's some things that, there's so much gray area now. You say, well, is this good, is this not good? Is this Christian, is this not Christian? Is this led by the Holy Spirit, is it led by a different spirit? And that's where we have to have what's called discernment. Amen? I think Christians, a lot of times, are missing discernment. Remember, I love you. You say, well, Pastor David, what about this situation? What about that situation? What about this party? What about that party? What about this presidential candidate? What about about that presidential candidate? We have to have discernment in our life, right? For almost every area and aspect, we need to have discernment. The first test that John uses is the test of the authenticity of Jesus. Now, I want to keep in mind, there are other tests, right? We we understand there's other tests. But this is first and foremost. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is interesting. I like what David Guzik says. The devil doesn't care at all if you know Jesus or love Jesus, or pray to Jesus. As long as it is a false Jesus, a make-believe Jesus, a Jesus who is not there, and one who simply can't save. When you look at the Mormon doctrine of Jesus or Jehovah's Witnesses take on Jesus, you're talking about a fake Jesus, a false Jesus, a make-believe Jesus. I have someone who I love dearly that came to me and said, no, I just... Look, I, and they're not Mormon, strangely enough, but they were trying to defend Mormonism. And saying, well, I understand they're worshiping a different Jesus, but, but they're still worshiping Jesus. I said, no, they're not. They're worshiping a different Jesus. It's not the Jesus of the Bible. It's an entirely different Jesus. It's not God. It's a God. Little g, it is a demon spirit that is leading people away from Jesus. There is a spirit of Antichrist, listen to this, running rampant in this world. Running rampant in this country. And many times we see it try to sneak into the church. If it can get you to bow down and worship someone other than the true Christ, it is by definition Antichrist. You said, Pastor David, we're getting to some pretty deep stuff for the first message of the year. We are. I'm okay with that. Are you okay with that? Listen, we don't want just baby food and yogurt, right? Come on. How many, how many know that's what babies eat, right? Sometimes we need some milk, or we need some meat. Sometimes we do need milk too, right? That's why I say Beloved and then we jump into the meat, right? Listen, Pastor David, what can we do? Pastor David, what can we do? How, how do we ensure that this doesn't happen to us? Pastor David, should we be worried? Verse 4. Go to the next slide. It says this. Little children. I love the wording John uses here. Because again, he's just it's like a father. Little children. My dear children. You are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in the world, who, he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Somebody say amen to that. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us, whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. He who is in me is greater than he that is in the world. Amen? I like what one commentary says. It says, the child of God need not fear the spirit of Antichrist, even though they should be warned of it. For this reason, they should not fear because they have the indwelling spirit of God. Amen? They have the indwelling spirit of God say, He who is in me is greater than he that is in the world. Listen, I know some of this stuff is deep. And intense and maybe alarming because yes, there is an enemy trying to destroy souls, and yes, there are demon spirits out there looking to deceive and lead people away from Christ. But you should know and understand that he who is within me is greater than he that is in the world. Listen, the enemy may snarl, he may, he may bark loudly, he may his demons may hiss. He may try to get you off kilter. He may try to get you off track. But he who is within me is greater than he that is in the world. Amen? Come on. He who is within me is greater than he that is in the world. I pushed a button, and all of a sudden, my, all my text just went away. But guess what? He that is within me. That's not the spirit of the Antichrist. That's just the... Can I say something? Sometimes, listen, there's not a demon behind every rock. Amen? It's not, listen, I just, I pushed the wrong button and all of a sudden it moved. Right? That was my fault, my bad. It wasn't the devil. Right? But here's the thing. Listen, sometimes we get into this mindset of, well, there's a demon everywhere. We got to find the demon. Oh, boy, there might, oh, oh. where's the demon? And so we get into this weird mindset of we're demon hunters now. All right? Listen, I know you guys know what I'm talking about, right? We get into these weird mindsets. Listen, we want to be aware. We want to be aware of what's going on spiritually. We want to be aware that there are things out to destroy our souls, that we want to be aware that there is Antichrist and it is real. But listen, let's not get weird. Amen? Let's not get weird about it. Let's be aware of it. We pray against it. We fight not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Amen. And so we aren't going to get strange about it or weird or just, where's the demon today? Where's the demon? I gotta find the demon. I gotta find the it's not that hard to look. Turn on TV. You'll see it in a few seconds. Listen, we know these things are out there. We're aware of these things are out there, but we're not gonna get weird about it, right? Sometimes we get so heavenly minded, we're of no earthly good. But he who is within me is greater than he that is in the world. Amen. Man, he that is within me. I like this. Listen, demons may hiss at you. How many these guttural bellows of evil? These guttural bellows that that harass you, they they may tempt you, they may mock you, they might depress you. Listen, but greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. John speaks about these demon-influenced false teachers. He says, they are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. If you want to know what's being widely accepted, the world listens to them. Verse 6 says this, we are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. John here isn't just talking about himself. That's something that should be recognized right away. He also isn't talking about the readers of his letter. He's not talking to us. He's not talking about us. Do we understand that this morning? He is saying we are from God. He's not referring to the readers of the letter or us. He's referring to the, to the apostles who had intimate and personal knowledge of him. Right? He had intimate and personal knowledge of Christ. So when he says we are from God, he's not saying we even though we're born, of course, we're born in the presence of God. Hallelujah. Amen. When he's talking to, he's, he's writing this to believers, and he says, we are from God, he's re- referencing the apostles. He's referencing those who were the closest to Jesus, those who had intimate knowledge of Christ, those who spent time with him. John says, we were with him. We knew Jesus personally. Whoever knows God listens to us knows that what we speak is true. Whoever disregards us is not from God. And he says, by this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Two incredibly important things we're going to end on this morning is the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Now, this is funny because I only got through six verses. First John chapter 4. We're going to get into more next week. Next week, you're going to love it. Listen, next week, God is love. Amen. And that's what the whole thing is about the rest of chapter 4. But it's interesting because this is deep stuff. I didn't plan on it being this way, but it just kind of happened this way And that the first message of this new year is some deep stuff about understanding the authority of the Word of God. I don't think that's by happenstance. I don't think that's by accident. I think that we in the church need to understand the authority of God's word in our life. So we end on two incredibly important things, the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. What is the spirit of truth? John is referencing the, spirit, uh, uh, the words of Jesus. And they're found in John chapter 16. Go to the next slide. It's found in John chapter 16, verses 13 through 14. It says this, when the Spirit of truth comes, this is Jesus talking. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. This is important. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. He will glorify me. The Spirit of truth is the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of truth will always glorify Jesus always. Okay, I'm going to say say it again. The Spirit of truth will always glorify Jesus always. Okay, do we understand that? Jesus said that the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. The Spirit of error will always put glory somewhere else will always put glory somewhere else. This is where we need discernment. You say, Pastor David, what is that? You use that word. What is discernment? Telling what's truth and what's not by the Spirit of God, by the presence of God. What's of God and what's of the enemy? Because the spirit of Antichrist is deceptive. Right? The spirit of Antichrist is deceptive. Sometimes it's blatant and outrageous. If you know anything about Islam, you know it's, it's blatant and outrageous. Mormonism, Jehovah's Witness, out there, blatant, outrageous. But then there's things that we, we, we just, sometimes we allow things into the church and into our ministries, and into our walk that might look good, might sound good. We have to say, is this truly from the Lord? And if it's not, we should reject it. Amen? Because there are dangerous things. The Bible says it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. Right? It's these little things that get in. Whether it be little disagreements, little little bad theology. There was, for a time, it had to do, I'll give you an example of this, it had to do with the songs that were being sung in churches. There was a certain, uh, there was a certain uh, music, I don't know how to describe it, Austin, help me out, Um, like Hillsong or Jesus Culture, what are are the, uh, Music programs or... No, not genre. Um, it doesn't matter. Okay, like a company. So there was a certain company that was... Now, I'm not talking about Hillsong or Jesus Culture or anything like that right now. But there was a certain company, this was in the 90s, that was putting out Christian worship music, putting out church Christian worship music with really bad theology. I mean, really bad theology. And I... I I, I think I remember the name of it right now. I don't want to say it just in case I'm wrong, and it would be not great. Uh, but I remember that we were starting to sing these songs in our church, and all of a sudden I was like, Wait a minute. I mean, okay, that that's that's strange. What, what's going on here? It's bad theology, and finally the pastor said, Stop, we are not going to be singing those songs anymore. We need to be careful about what we, what we listen to, right? We need to be careful. Even if it's so-called Christian music, there's times where it's really not. There's times where it might be called a Christian movie, and there's a lot of times where it's just not. There might be called a Christian book, and there's a lot of times where it's just not. And I know you guys have heard me talk about a few things before in different books and movies and things like that. We have to be so careful about what we let into our lives because there is a spirit of antichrist trying to destroy the authority of the word of god in our lives and we have to be aware of what is happening pretty much all the time now i was saying to just my my wife just yesterday man there's a some new show coming on some channel on tv and most of the time they play kids movies on this channel and uh Disney picture or things like that. And uh, I said, we can't even let our kids watch, just watch those movies now. Not because of the movies, but because in the commercials now, they, they show uh, perverted sexuality, and they show all sorts of these things that are the it's antichrist. And so now in the commercials, we, have to, we, we just have to go, sorry, I don't know what to do. We're getting in a day and age. That's why uh, the, the, the program that we bought for you guys is, is awesome, if you have kids that want to watch something, put that on. Put a Bible study on. You say, Pastor David, are you serious? <laughs> yeah, I'm serious. In the morning, I wake up with my kids, and we, we, we do a Bible study together. We, we, we watch a devotional together. We talk about it. We go, oh, man, what do you think about this? It doesn't always work all the time. I understand lives get busy, but we have to be careful about what we allow into our lives and into our houses. Amen? My prayer for you this morning And for this message is a few things. If you would stand with me this morning. My prayer is for a few things. And it's this. Let us pray together. Lord, I pray that you would give us a renewed understanding of the authority of your word. Let us follow it in truth and understanding. Lord, I pray in 2020 that you would cause us to fall in love with your word again. Lord, please give us clear discernment. In a world filled with so much gray, let us test the spirits and discover what is light from darkness. Lord, let us... Let us be aware of what deceives us and lift up that which glorifies You. Let us lift up that which glorifies You. Lord, I want to thank You for Your Word this morning. Jesus, You are greater than anything the enemy can throw at us. Thank You for the gift of Your Holy Spirit and help us to always walk in the Spirit of truth. In your holy name we pray. Amen.